Welcome to Crystal Clear Finances, where we understand that finances, well, they can be confusing. But you don't have to face it alone, and you can have confidence for every financial decision. My name is Crystal Langdon. I'm a certified financial planner, qualified kingdom advisor, founder of Crystal Clear Finances, and your host for the next 30 minutes. Now today, today we're going to talk stock market, and I'm excited. I wish you could see all the papers that I have in front of me because I want to make sure that I bring information to you that's not only about the stock market, but can help you understand what do I do with this information? How do I apply it to my life? What does this even mean? Well, we're going to talk about that over this week. And most likely, if you know me, we'll probably make this a three-part series because there's just so much that we can discuss today. So let me kind of give you an outline of what I'm thinking we're going to do. So today, we're going to talk about the 2023 stock market predictions. And I know you might be saying, uh, Crystal, it's 2024. What are we doing talking about the past? Because I want you to understand where we've come from. The thoughts that people have in regards to 2023. Where did they get it right? Ah, where'd they get it wrong? And why did they get it wrong? I think the truth is, is that nobody really knows what's going on in the stock market, but we can make educated guesses. We can look at what's there and say, okay, A plus B plus C, and kind of put it all together. Because if anyone could understand the stock market in such a way that they were always right, well, they'd probably be on a beach somewhere. So what we want to do is give you information today about what happened last year so that we can look forward to this year. So after we take care of 2023, I want to talk about the Magnificent Seven stocks that are out there. And we're not talking about the Magnificent Seven, the TV show, the movie show. We're talking about these seven stocks that are running rampant in the stock market that are kind of taking over and driving the stock market. We need to know about them because we think the stock market is all of these companies, which it is, but there's not equally weighted. So some of them have more power, more influence in the market. And we just need to be aware of that. That's why sometimes you can see the stock market go up and you run home and you get on your computer and you look at your portfolio thinking it's going to be through the roof and then it's not. Well, that's probably because maybe you don't have one of the magnificent sevens in your portfolio. So we want to talk about that. After we talk about the Magnificent Sevens, then we're going to talk about the 2024 predictions of what they see for this year. And again, like I said just a few seconds ago, there's no guarantee to this. This is not, hey, I've listened to these top predictions and now I'm going to go make an investment plan based on that. This is just a, an overlook of where they feel the economy is going to go and the impact that it's going to have on the stock market. I still find that very relevant because we have to understand what's moving so that we know what way we're supposed to walk. How do we pivot? What are things that we just hold on to? And what are things that we say, you know what? The time for this is gone. It's time to get it out of here. Well, that's what I have lined up for us over the next few weeks. And I'm excited to dive in. And one of the things that's so important as we talk about the stock market, as we talk about the different dynamics of it, is there's different components of it, right? There's components when we think about the conservative bucket, we think of a moderate bucket, and then we think of the growth bucket. A lot of times in the old school, the way they used to look at it was, hey, when stocks are up, 
bonds are going to be down, right? And then when stocks are down, well, they said the seesaw would happen. The bonds would go up. But many times when we're looking at this, we're seeing when bonds are down and stocks are down. So that old adage, that old saying of of investing just with stocks and bonds, and as you get closer to retirement, boy, you need those bonds, may not necessarily be true. So that's why it's so important as we're talking about the stock market to understand there's different components to it. The conservative side, what really needs to be in your conservative portfolio. That's something that I think sitting down with your financial advisor and saying, listen, I don't have a stomach for the stock market. I don't like how it goes up and down. I need something conservative. Perhaps, and again, not a recommendation, but perhaps just going to bonds isn't the best answer. Maybe that was the right answer 50 years ago, but is it the right answer today? And that's why when we've talked a lot about the importance of having a financial plan, we can address those concerns inside a financial plan. The other thing when we talk about the stock market, not only do we need to know, well, where does this stock go? Does it go in a growth portfolio or a moderate portfolio? Or do I want dividend-paying stocks? Is that we have to understand how a stock evolves, right? How companies evolve. Because after all, when we're investing in the stock market, we're investing in companies. And these companies can be at different stages in their life. You know, we've talked many times about the cycle of a company, about the fact that there's an infancy of a company. That's where we get all excited, right? Those IPOs that were just born and we want to invest in them and we want to own them until we see they go up really high and then sometimes go really, really low and then fade. So we understand that there is an infancy component. So let's pause here for a moment and think about this. If we're nervous in the stock market, then why would we ever buy infancy or IPO types of stock? Well, a lot of times the reason why people do that is because they're living under that silver bullet mentality, the fear of missing out, FOMO. They want to make sure, oh, gee, I need to get something that's going to make my retirement work for me, and I'm behind the eight ball as it is, so if I can just get the right IPO and invest in it, then all my problems will go away. But remember what it's like when you have a baby. They're so cute until they cry and keep you up all night, till they dirty their diapers, until you realize your whole life has changed to take care of this wonderful blessing that has come into your life. And I do view them as a blessing. As a grandma now with two little ones, I love the arrival. But I also know because I'm a grandmother, I'm experienced, I've raised Rose, boy, if I can raise raise a Rose, I have three grown children that I walked through the process. And what I realized was as infancies, it takes everything I had to raise those. And of course, having my girls, you know, 13 months apart didn't help much either. But when you begin to look at this and compare it to a stock, We have to understand that if you're taking a risk of doing an IPO, you're taking a risk of something that's in its infancy stage, that's probably not going to go in the conservative bucket or the moderate bucket. It's probably going to be in your growth or speculative bucket. And it does take a lot of care. And if that's something that you're hoping to hitch your wagon to, you might understand it goes the other way many times. It hooks its wagon to you. And are you financially stable enough to be able to wait it out? Those are good questions to ask yourself when we're talking about the stock market and all the different types. 
Now, there are other stocks that are out there, the more of the adolescent stocks, which, whoo, they made it through their infancy. You know, they're actually, well, they may actually be starting to consider paying a dividend. They are growing. They've fallen a few times, but they've gotten up. Just like our teenagers, they think they got an S on their chest and they can do anything and all the rules apply to everyone else but them. They're special. Well, a lot of companies somehow think that, well, we're going to make it because we have the answer to everything. That doesn't mean that we don't invest in those type of companies, but boy, do you want to know what is their marketing plan? What is their business plans? What are their financials? All the different components. I'm telling you all this when you're saying, Crystal, why are we going through a business cycle of a company? Because when we talk about the stock market and you get excited and say, hey, maybe we'll have some growth this year, it's not as simple as just say, hey, we'll have some growth this year. I'm just going to buy something. You've got to figure out and work with a financial advisor to say, am I, grow am I buying an IPO? Am I buying something that's just out of diapers there in pull-ups now? Or am I going to the next phase, which is a mature company? Now, the mature companies, they've been around the block a time or two. They many times have almost lost it all. They've learned from those mistakes and they've grown. Many times you'll see that they'll pay dividends. And when we look at that, we look to see who the CEO is, who is their top management, their CFO, their CMO, the COO, all the different components. What makes them so strong? And I think about this when I look at the Magnificent Seven. Now, I'm not saying or endorsing the, these stocks. I'm just saying that we want to look to see where they are because here's the key. And this is what I think is the, the real kicker in all of this, right? Is when you're looking at a company and it goes to the infancy and it goes to the adolescence and it goes to the maturity, many times it just stops there and it dies there. How do we stop that? Because after you've become mature in it, you're wise enough to realize you have to reinvent yourself. You have to go back to the drawing board and say, hey, what I made and what I produced was great for this whole following that brought me where I am today. It might not keep me here. What is coming next? There has to be that curiosity. Think about older people who know everything and they never want to learn anything new. What happens? Well, we all know, besides the fact that they get cranky, we all know that it's not enjoyable to interact with them. We kind of pull back because we realize our ideas, because we're younger or even if we're the same age, are no longer accepted because they're not interested in learning. They're just interested in, in stating who they are and what they've accomplished. When we have businesses that say, well, that's not our policy, we don't do it that way, that is the same thing as the cranky old person that says, I'm no longer interested in learning. Oh, please don't ever become that way. I get concerned about companies that come that way. And when I look at the Magnificent Seven, and we'll go over them, you'll see that what they did is they said, what we did brought us to where we are. But if we stay in the same mindset, it's going to keep us here. We've got to continue moving on. You know, I had dinner with a good friend the other day. He's a CFO. And him and his wife, what a great time we had together. And I'm watching as their company is evolving. And whether he realizes it or not, they're going through this shift 
of a mature company to reinventing another part of themselves. They're experiencing things they've never experienced before. And they keep waiting to get out of it. But the thing is, is they're not going to get out of it. They're going to grow through it and they're going to become something different. Yes, they'll have pieces of the old, but they're going to walk into a new area. And that's what we look for. So as we start going through, and as we say, let's look at these companies, let's talk about the stock market. Remember, when we're looking at it and you're sitting down with your financial advisor, check to see if this is an infancy IPO, an adolescent that's just getting out of its infancy, and thank God it didn't fail, but it's got a lot more falling to do, or if it's a mature company, and then if it's truly mature. What's on the horizon for that company? Where's that company going? Because if there is no horizon, if there's no future of what they're reinventing or new products or how they're getting the products or how they're expanding, they could be facing bureaucracy, which means they could be coming into a decline. These are things we'll think about, but let's take a quick 60 second break and then we'll be back with more crystal clear finances. Investment allocation and location can be complementing strategies when it comes to finances. This is Crystal Langdon with today's Financial Gem. Investment allocation deals with your risk tolerance. How conservative or growth-oriented are you? Investment location is about positioning those investments in a way that can be most tax-efficient. Unfortunately, many just focus on the allocation and resources are lost to taxes because investments end up in the wrong location. Call Crystal Clear Finances at 518-433-7181 and make sure your investment allocation and location are in the right place for you. And we're back with more Crystal Clear Finances. My name is Crystal Langdon. Such a pleasure to be here with you. I enjoy every week getting the opportunity to sit down and talk about what I love, which is providing you confidence for every financial decision. To be able to listen to this information and say, huh, yeah, I know what to do now. Or yes, that's a confirmation on the way I was thinking. Or if it's not, then giving us a call at 518-433-7181 and saying, Crystal, I need to sit down. I need to talk with you. I need to understand how this will work in my life. Well, today we're talking about the 2023 predictions. And before we even got started in it, I wanted to remind everyone that when we talk about the stock market, it's all types of companies that are involved. When we talk about our economy, all types of companies are involved. And it's critical to understand where those companies fall. Infancy, adolescent, mature, or reinventing themselves, or bureaucracy where they're so tied up with red tape, they dwindle and then do not make the impact that they could have. But what I'd like to do is I want to spend the rest of today, and we will not get through all 10, so I'm just setting expectations now. You'll have to join me next week. But I want to talk about the top 10 predictions that was by Bob Dahl, who's a CFA, for last year. Now, anybody, and really... Anybody can get on radio or do a podcast and say, this is what I think the predictions are. And it doesn't mean that they really have a background. It could just be based on what they believe. 
But I tend to like to listen to people who do have a background in it, who have studied in it. So I just want to give you a little background on where I'm getting this information so that it can put it in perspective. And of course, you can always go to crossmarkglobal.com and look under the reports when you talks about thought leadership with Bob Dahl, and you'll be able to read this information. But let me just give you this. In May 2021, he started as the chief investment officer for uh, Crossmark. Global. And then now he has assumed the position, not only of chief investment officer, but the CEO of the company. So a couple big hats that he's wearing there, but I want to give you past history. Not only is he seen on Bloomberg TV, Fox News, CNBC, and heard on the Faith and Finance Live radio, but before he came to Crossmark, and this is where I found him, before he was in a values-based firm, right? Because Crossmark Global does values-based investing where we're allowed to line up what we believe with the investments that match it. Well, before he was there, he was the senior portfolio manager and chief equity strategist at Nuveen. Many of us have heard about Nuveen. He was there from 2012 to 2022, so quite a long track record. Before that, he was at BlackRock. I know, but he was at BlackRock from 2006 to 2012, and he was the president and chief investment officer at Merrill Lynch Investment Managers from 1999 to 2006. So, and before that, he was chief investment officer at Oppenheimer Funds. So, needless to say, I'm very I respect this individual in regards to what they say about the market. Now, one of the things I like about this is that when he gives these predictions, he puts it right out there. It's not predictions that he gives and then if he makes a mistake, everybody's quiet and nobody says anything. He goes in and says, this is why this was a mistake and what I said. Here's what my thought process was. Here's what really happened and why. When we can have that kind of depth of information, then it equips us to be able to start thinking the same way. And so that's why I'm bringing this to the table. And also, we'll put a link in our show notes about Crossmark Global just so that you can look at their thought leadership. And yes, we do use some of their funds within our portfolio, but that would be based upon a one-on-one interaction, not a recommendation over the airwaves or on the YouTube channel. So let's start with his first prediction for 2023. And that prediction was that the U.S. would experience a shallow recession. Now, many people said, yes, we think that there will be. And in fact, it didn't mature the way that they thought it would be. And when they asked, why did you think this would happen this way, Bob? Why did you think there would be a recession? He said, because in 18 months, you can't go from zero to five and a quarter percent interest rate hikes and expect nothing's going to happen. Now, nothing really did, right? I would not look at last year and say, wow, we went through a recession last year. But when you look at it and say, well, why didn't it? They talk about the leftover cash resources from the COVID period kept the market growing. So that makes me wonder, and I'm just going to put it out there, and you'll hear this in his 2024, when do we get to experience this? See, I believe there's cause and effect. When you do one thing, it is going to have impact down the road. I just don't think that we have seen the impact of these rate increases that happen so quickly. We've not seen it play out in the market yet. 
And we've got a lot going on, a lot of levers that can be pulled. We think about this, this is an election year. Will we really see any type of recession this year? I don't know. But when we talk about recession, and and I'll mention it later on, we have to understand people hear the word recession and they panic. It's like they think depression. They think that, oh my gosh, this is going to happen and and we're we're not going to be able to have food and people are going to stand in bread lines. No, that's not what we're talking about. And that's not even what he was talking about. And when others are making predictions, they're talking about recession, where there are some jobs that are there that get cut back. People are like, hmm, I don't really want to spend that money. You know where I see a good hint of that? What happened when the rates kept going up with mortgages? All of a sudden, the people who are buying it, not even needing to see the house because they wanted to have that, were like, eh, maybe I'll think twice about that. I got to pay 8%. Now, it will be interesting, I'm going to say, to watch this spring when houses go on the market because of where the rates are. Now, the feds did say, well, no, we're not going to be in a hurry to lower them. So that wasn't good news. You know, people were disappointed about that because, again, before the year started, they were saying, oh, we're going to see the Fed lower rates six times. Oh, really? Well, um, they've already said, no, we're not doing it the first time. So things might kind of hang out right where it's at. But it will be interesting to see now what's going to happen in the housing markets. But getting back to our top 10 predictions, his first one was that we would see a recession last year. We didn't, but we think it's the other shoe has not dropped. And we look at it as, hey, there was enough money left over from COVID, though it's being spent up, that we were able to come through it. Now, the second one was number two, inflation will fall substantially, but remain above the Fed's target rate. And he was right about that. And I know you're thinking, where did inflation fall, Crystal? (laughs) Right? It's still expensive in my grocery store. I understand. But if you look overall, we have seen some decreases in inflation. We have to admit to that. Do we think that it's going to go back to the way that it was before? Well, I personally don't think so. But when we look at the Fed's goal to get it at 2%, no, we're not there. 3 to 4%, yes, but we're not at what they thought that they could bring it down to. But I'm glad they at least stopped for a while. Let's go to number three. The third prediction was that the Fed fund would reach 5% and remain there for the balance of the year. Now, you might think, I don't know what that is. I don't know why I should care about it. Well, when they charge the banks to borrow money overnight and they begin to raise the rates, it makes it uncomfortable for the banks. And so they say, well, we're not going to eat this cost. So guess who they pass it to? You. That's right. So by having this Fed fund reaching this 5%, it makes it more expensive for businesses to get business loans. And if it's more expensive to get businesses to have business loans, they're going to do the same thing the feds did. If the feds said to the banks, well, we're going to charge you more. And the banks are like, okay, I'll pay it, but I'm not really going to pay it. I'm going to pass it on to the businesses. The businesses are going to say, oh, I don't really like this, but I'm going to pay it, but I'm not really going to pay it. I'm going to pass it on to the consumer. So this does impact us when we start hearing that it's harder for banks and businesses to loan money. Understand there's a trickle-down effect, and it can end up in your bottom line costing more money. Number four, earnings fall short of expectations in 2023 due to cost pressures and revenue shortfalls. So when we look at it, that came true. 
Cost pressures made it difficult for companies. They couldn't meet their earnings projections. Now, we'll see what it's going to be like this year, but a lot of things play into that. And we've got to take a look, not just how did my stock do today? We have to look at what would be impacting your stock. If you have a mature company and it needs to borrow money, and so it borrows money, it can maybe continue going on and may not have to pass it all to its consumers. Maybe it cuts back on the dividend. But if you have adolescent or even infant type of companies that are trying to make it out there, and now all of a sudden it costs money to be able to borrow and do those things, now they're going to miss their earnings projection because it costs more than they originally thought. How many of you When you started 2023, you said, oh, I'm going to do a housing project. And you had it all figured out what it was going to cost to do that. And then you realized, no, those projections were wrong. It was not going to cost that. It was going to cost more. Companies go through the same thing. And when they miss these marks, when they say, I can do it for this, or my earnings will be here, and they miss it, well, what happens is the consumer loses confidence and they say, oh, no. What happened? They missed their earnings report. What should I do? Well, it just probably means that the cost was more expensive to them. And that's where we look to see where is the company in their cycle and can they withstand this? Well, I'm looking at the clock. We're going to take a quick 60 second break so I can get a drink of water. And then we're going to finish with more crystal clear finances. Investment allocation and location can be complementing strategies when it comes to finances. This is Crystal Langdon with today's Financial Gem. Investment allocation deals with your risk tolerance. How conservative or growth-oriented are you? Investment location is about positioning those investments in a way that can be most tax-efficient. Unfortunately, many just focus on the allocation and resources are lost to taxes because investments end up in the wrong location. Call Crystal Clear Finances at 518-433-7181 and make sure your investment allocation and location are in the right place for you. And we're back with more Crystal Clear Finances after I had a nice, cool drink of water so that my froggy throat could go away and we could continue talking. Of course, it would probably help if I just slow down and not be so excited. But the information, how can you not be excited about what we're learning today? So I want to jump into the last one so that we don't run out of time. And then this way I can say we at least covered the top five predictions. And then next week we'll cover the next five. But the last prediction, which Bob Dahl made for 2023, which Bob got wrong, was that he said that there was no major asset class that would have a double-digit return. Well, you know, he was doing pretty good on that. And then it happened. October, November, December. And before we knew it, yes, we had the 10% downturn. And then we had that 15% correction and upturn. So there was a lot that was happening in there. And so he was wrong on that. And he said, when he goes back and he asks, why was I wrong on that? He points it to the Magnificent Seven. Because these seven stocks are skewing things. Now, to me, it's important that we understand this because when we're building our portfolio, having something like the Magnificent Seven 
in a growth portfolio, well, gee, let's talk about that all day long. Because if you put it in the right type of location in something tax-free like a Roth, and then it grows and gives double-digit return, yeah, that's a good thing, right? We love that. But it's understanding, well, wait a minute. What about all the other 493 stocks? Where do those go? And that's why it's not just understanding the assets, understanding what the companies are. Working with your financial advisor, you've got to understand what bucket that they go into. Does the Magnificent Seven go into a tax-free bucket so you can reap the benefit of all the growth? Do we put something that has maybe ordinary income would be generated from it, put it more into like an IRA or a 401k, not a recommendation for my compliance department, just making sure everybody knows this. We want to put the right type of investments into the right type of buckets, understanding where they are in the market cycle. Easy peasy, right? (laughs) Well, if you have questions, I want you to give our office a call at 518-433-7181. And let's schedule a time where we can sit down and look at your portfolio. Understanding is the asset allocation and the asset location done correctly. And where are you in the market cycle on this? Where are you in feeling confident about your finances? Give us a call at 518-433-7181. And then join us again next week as we continue to provide financial clarity so that you can have confidence for every financial decision. Thank you and God bless. This program is for educational purposes only. We understand that finances are complex. Facing them alone causes stress, resulting in wrong choices, missing out on opportunities, and having to settle for a lower standard of living. At Crystal Clear Finances, our team approach focuses on providing clarity and confidence so you can make the right financial decisions. Investment advisory and financial planning services are offered through Alpha Star Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Clear Finances and Alpha Star are separate and independent entities. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.